According to local legend, there's an enormous bunker that exists somewhere beneath the vast woodlands surrounding Disney World in Orlando, Florida. A wealthy local doctor from the past named Dr. Phillips, who developed much of Orlando back in the early days, apparently had an incredible fear of a Nazi invasion back in the 40s. This paranoia fueled his desire to create a structure where he and those close to him would be safe. So he built something incredible, larger than you can even imagine. Being documentary filmmakers, my team and I wanted to check into this. So we began looking at public records of land surveys and seeing if we could actually locate any available spots where the bunker may have been. Believe it or not, we ended up narrowing it down based on the specification mentioned in Dr. Phelps' journal. It turns out something that large could really have only been in the west end of the area. And once Walt Disney came in, he had to build around it. It was about 10 p.m. when our team of five met outside of Disney World property to prepare for the excursion. We had checked out a lot of places in our time exploring, pretty much going through about 90% of the weird U.S. books and hitting almost everything along the way. This one was going to be different, though. We had never tried to enter something as well-protected and surveilled as Disney. We used a topographical map to find a good place to enter the National Forest at the opposite end of where Magic Kingdom is. Our plan was to cut across the thick woods that way, so our vehicle wouldn't be spotted. Luckily, our lead investigator, Tina, had a rough set of coordinates drawn out, which put her up in front leading the group. After about a half hour of hiking through dense, uncultivated woodland, we ended up approaching a clearing beneath some tall oak trees, with an old cabin sitting underneath at the center. I started rolling the camera immediately, because this was already quite a find, considering this was a structure technically on Disney property that I and no one else knew about, and it couldn't be seen by Google Maps either. As we looked inside, things began to get a little stranger. It almost looked as if there was a set from one of the rides in the actual park. There was a quaint little old table and chairs, with a kettle and pot and fireplace, something that would have been straight out of Frontierland. I opened the door and stepped inside the tiny little cabin. I noticed a rug on the ground, covering up a crack in the floor. I pulled the rug away and everyone in our team gasped as we realized it was a hatch. It was locked, but Tina found a key sitting inside the fireplace and discovered it worked for the hatch. She unlocked it and lifted up the door, revealing a stairway headed down into darkness. Something odd about it, though, was that the steps were multicolored. As we progressed down them, we began to notice these little doodles drawn all over, some with smiley faces and others screaming bloody murder. Once we reached the bottom, we came across a pair of solid steel double doors, so thick that if one of them hadn't been already cracked open, it definitely would have been the end of our expedition right there. However, since the doors were open, Gus, a large PA on the crew, decided to thrust himself through it. Following behind, we found ourselves somewhere none of us could have ever anticipated. It was an enormous, dimly lit storage area with high ceilings. Hesitantly, we proceeded underneath an arch at the front with some poorly assembled letters reading, Cartoon Cavern. Enter at your own risk. The crew was very intrigued at this point, and we continued inside. 
we came across this kitchen set that had been hodgepodge together and populated with these terrifying old vegetable animatronics. Our producer, an older woman named Annie, said she recognized the animatronics as something from one of the older Epcot attractions, called Kitchen Cabaret. It was hard to imagine them ever actually being in one of the parks, though, with how scary they looked. One of them, a tomato with a large pointy mustache, seemed to stare through my soul. I shuddered as it turned and looked at one of my other crewmates. I started to notice that all of them were moving around a little, so whoever had put this together obviously figured out how to hook animatronics up, which was pretty impressive, actually. We progressed under another archway and noticed these little houses and characters up against the far corner of the wall. I recognized that it was the old Toontown village that had been in Magic Kingdom years before. I then caught a glimpse of a rundown ride vehicle sitting outside of a cave in front of this large fake mountain. Making our way over to it, Gus and Tina got inside and started taking promo photos for the documentary. After they insisted, Annie and our cameraman, Charles, and I got into the seats behind them and posed for a picture. Suddenly the lap bars came down and the ride car started, bringing us into the mountain. I have to admit, I was pretty freaked out, but at the same time, I was very intrigued. Once we were inside, I realized that the entire interior of the cave had been built to look like a cartoon version of our world. There was a little cartoon bank, the front end of a grocery store set built out of wood, all painted with incredibly vibrant colors and a cartoon-like style. There were also these bizarre plants that looked like they had been mutated like super long watermelons and weird giant tomatoes. At first I actually thought this place was pretty amazing and wondered why Disney didn't have it out in the park for other guests to see. That was until we reached the next room though. There were rows of people sitting in these theater seats, staring up at a giant screen. The title for a strange old cartoon show called Absolutum Dominium came up on the screen. They were hooked up to these IV bags and a weird purple substance was being pumped into them. Their features were merging into each other, some larger and some smaller than normal. But the most noticeable thing was that they were changing color. Some skins were becoming blue, others more red or green, again resembling a cartoon. At that moment, a giant prop boulder slammed down on Gus and Tina, crushing them. I looked up and saw a silhouette on a bridge above. It was hard to tell what it was in the shadows, but I could tell its face wasn't quite right. Like it had some sort of a snout growing from its face. Charles was then hit in the face with a piece of metal, throwing Annie and I into a full-on panic. Luckily, the piece of metal had snapped the lap bar, allowing us to push it up and squeeze out. We started running through the cavern, lost and confused. Annie turned a corner and ran into a random room, suddenly stopping. We realized the door led to a cliff that dropped about 50 feet into a pit of spikes below. From above, the mysterious figure pounced down and tossed Annie off the cliff onto the spikes below. I stared in disbelief at the beast as it stood in the doorway and glared toward me hungrily. It was 
kind of like a man, dressed as a combination of Mickey and Goofy, with a dog snout sewed onto his face and a giant bulging eye. He smiled a toothy grin and handed me an old vintage Mickey ears hat, then waved at me slowly as if letting me run to get a head start. I took his lead and bolted out of there as fast as I could. Surprisingly, though, he didn't follow. I eventually made my way back to the steel bunker doors and eventually out of the woods. I obviously called the authorities and reported the murders of my team. However, I am still yet to hear anything back about them. I told the police exactly where the bunker was and everything, so I honestly don't know what is going on. But my only theory is that, for some reason, they don't want to stop whatever that horrifying figure is doing down there. I started researching online and realized that what I encountered was definitely the Cartoon Man, the being which is said to plague Disney World, and has continually taken more and more victims since the park opened. I still don't know why this Cartoon Man let me leave that day, or even stranger, why he gave me that old Mickey Mouse hat. All I know is that I can't bring myself to get rid of it. I just love putting it on and messing around with it for some reason. Why can't I bring myself to get rid of it? I'm almost afraid to find out. Hey, it's Mr. Freaky. I hope you all enjoyed that original creepypasta. I wanted to let you all know that I just released a limited series of Cartoon Man figures. They're custom painted and I love them. So click the link in the description below to check those out. Have a horrific evening, everyone, and remember to stay spooky, my friends.